Welcome everybody to the Diggable Planets podcast. What's up? <laughs> Welcome to LE2B. I'm Tom McCaffrey. I'm here with Eric B. How are you? Good. It's, Little it's, Diggable it's, Planets for you. It's not digitable. No, I always thought it was. I'm such an idiot. Um, digitable. That's not even a word. Yeah. Don't ever say that out loud again. <laughs> no. Um, I think it's diggable, right? It is. It is diggable. I don't know. For some reason, it was one of those things that used to get in my head that. Uh, I couldn't get out of, but that's a that was a great yeah, song. Yeah, doesn't that song sample sa- sample Miles Davis? Probably, I yeah. I don't know, but it sounds like it's sampling because they never did anything else. Wasn't that their only song? That was their big hit. Cool, yeah. like that. They were kind of like thought of as they were going to be like the next wave of something, you know, like diggable play. You know, they remember MTV. Remember when MTV was like cool and actually it was like a tastemaker and actually like <laughs> affected the world and pop yeah. culture, like. They do this thing like the next wave of, you know, you know, big bands or what's popular. And it was like they were diggable plants as one of the the bands. Yeah. Yep. And and then it was like. <laughs> <laughs> now they play ridiculousness 9,000 times. Now uh, it might. I know. exactly. That's basically that, you know, Comedy Central has kind of become that. Have you if you turn around Comedy Central, it's just like. Their big thing now is they just buy reruns of shows. Yeah, the office is on Comedy Central all the time. And my theory on that is is after it left Netflix, there were so many people who loved to binge the office that Comedy Central said, said fuck it, we'll just be the office channel, you know? Yeah, exactly. Which is yeah. kind of like, doesn't that kind of just seem like they're just kind of giving up? They're just like, all right, let's just buy a show that was like big. Let me tell you something. If you have a network, tv channel you might as well give up because it's it's all done now it's all streaming services so you know i know but i feel like they did it to themselves comedy central i feel like they just they were the only like uh game on the block for so long they were kind of like the i don't know the the amazon of comedy because they're there and they for some reason they ignored the internet for like yeah up until like three years ago they finally were like Oh yeah, I guess there is something in this internet thing. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like really yeah, I, now you're involved. I, I and, and it seems like is that a thing now? So now like I think with comedy kinda... se- I think with Comedy Central is they wanted to keep everyone watching TV. So they wanted to not put it on the internet and then the internet people just fucking destroyed them, you know, with all, you know, Netflix and all YouTube and everything. So they got their asses handed to them. They just if you look at their history, I feel like they just they did so many things poorly. I don't know who was really running things over there. Like I dealt with them a little bit and they were always, I mean, they were kind of shitty to me, but I mean, like they were, if you look at the history of how they handle things like, like Chappelle, this will be, you know, we want to talk about that special, but like when that whole thing happened, I felt like they handled that so poorly. Like when he, you know, left for Africa because he was mad about how the show was being handled. Yeah. And their attitude was like, yeah, oh, yeah, well, fuck you. We're, we're just going to air half of the season that you shot. And it's just like, that's how you're handling your fucking like meal ticket, the top star of your, the guy who kind of put your network on the map. You're just kind of like telling him to fuck off. Well, someone told me this story about Comedy Central just filmed some new specials, They're like half hour ones and then five minute ones and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and I, just I know did a some, thirty second one. Yeah, but the, so I know that some of the people who did the fi- the half hour ones and they were good. But apparently, from what I heard from some inside source, they got a lot of these random five minute people, you know, spots, and they I guess got them from the alt scene or wherever the fuck they got them from. But apparently, they were not happy with what was there. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I um, 
but yeah, like the fact that they said, cause they were the only outlet for a while for stand up. I mean, that, that they were right. it. And then they just kind of like slowly let these other, you know, these other kind of like outlets uh, sneak in and take it away from it. And then it became like, they weren't producing any original shows that were good. Every show they refused to put any money into thing and anything like they would, they kept doing these shows where they'd be like, okay, you're a hot comedian. We're going to do a show where you're like uh, hosting a show. And then you sit at a table and there's like a yeah. panel. And it's like, they did it with like Jezelnik and like Hannibal. And I think a couple, and it was just like, you can't like Hannibal isn't good for that. You know what I mean? Like that shouldn't be what Hannibal's doing. It, so they just, it was like their template was like, yeah, just take whoever's hot and then like stick them at a table and then bring in two comedians. And it's yeah. like, all right, well that's going to be the worst show ever. Um, so well, then actually, everyone started moving. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I do. Yeah. We can bring our guest in cause we, he's a co- comic so he can chime in on this stuff. Okay, do you want to introduce him? Yeah, let me let him in. But um, yeah, because I think we should talk about, uh, if you want to talk about the Chappelle thing. Yes. Because um, he had a new special out on Netflix, not Comedy Central, you know. Yeah, you think that guy's ever doing anything for Comedy Central yeah. again? Oh, here he is. All right, let's uh, do a hey. quick quick intro. Uh, this our guest. We've got a very special guest. This guy is a hilarious comedian. Even though he's from the Boston area, I'll let it slide. Uh, d- done so much, has a great resume. You're gonna love him. Put your hands together for Drew Dunn, everybody. Hey. Sorry. <laughs> we, we have a we have a studio audience. Uh, Drew, this is Tom. This is the co-host of the show. Hey, what's hey, up, Tom. man? Hey, How nice to you? meet you, man. Doing good. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. So we're, we're, we're talking comedy just for a few minutes before you went on because, you know, you want to be on another comedy podcast. I'm sure you haven't done enough of those. That's what it's all about. That's the- <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, are you, you're like, how old are you? Is that okay for me to ask? Uh, first of all, how dare you? Uh, no, I'm, t- <laughs> uh, I'm 29 years old. Yeah, when you're his age, it's okay to ask. Yeah. <laughs> right. When you're in your 20s, it's, o- um, it's okay to ask, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's a the fine thing to ask any guy, you know? I feel like it's a guy thing. You can ask guys and it's not a problem. But you start asking <laughs> ladies and they're like, <laughs> you can't even ask. Yeah, you can't ask women anything anymore. You can't even be like, what's your name? I did yeah. that at a show. I asked a woman her name from stage and she was like, ah, we're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> you there, right? Cons- and I was like, what are you talking about? We're not doing that. Like, she acted like I had, like, offended her. <laughs> yeah, you actually have to ask for consent to actually ask for the name first. So you say, may I ask for your name? And then you can actually, yeah, that's the new world. <laughs> you this? I think this was, I read this online in, in California. I think they're going to pass a law where uh, if you're having sex with a woman and you're wearing a condom, if you take it off, you have to get her consent. You can't, you know, mm-hmm. do that old trick. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So- that's there's got to be an there's got to be an app for this or something. How is somebody not capitalized on this? Some sort of fingerprint scan thing on an app? Call it call, just call it consent, nice and clean. You know, I think it would work. <laughs> I had thought of that before that they should do that with a condom. That the condom when you un when you uh, break the seal should be the consent. Like that's yeah. kind of like mm. that counts as consent. Hey, just go up with the wrapper like initial here. And, <laughs> and you're good yeah. right they're just making it so i mean i don't know to say this, but, but like they're, it's, they're just making it so nothing is is hot anymore you know it's just yeah. kind of like um it's like a bunch I, of accountants trying to have sex all the time it's got to be all calculated and, <laughs> and make sense 
Right. Well, when Republicans are in charge of like what what we're doing during sex, it's probably not going to be very hot anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, Everybody wear a tie. Yeah. <laughs> you actually see what's going on in, in Texas right now. The abortion thing changed in the last few days. Did you hear about that? No, I didn't. So they, they banned abortion. Then some judge said abortion's okay. And then another court just said abortion's bad. So in the last three days, the laws changed like four times. So wow. you had you had a two day window to get an abortion, right? Imagine there. that. There's just a line out front waiting, like <laughs> a re grand opening of an abortion clinic. That's an exciting time to be a business owner, you know. <laughs> so you're um so so are you from New Hampshire originally? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I've, I lived in New Hampshire since I was in about seventh grade or so. So I was originally born in Boston, then I actually lived in Seattle for like a good chunk of my childhood, like kindergarten through sixth grade. And then uh, been in New Hampshire ever since then. I just moved to Astoria back in June. So yeah, what was that? So you moved around a lot. It. What's that? You mo- so you moved around a lot young? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I mean, we moved a lot around in, even in New Hampshire. Like, I mean, I went to two different high schools. Like, I went there was two high schools in my town, North and South. I went to South my freshman year, North my sophomore, junior year, and then back to South my senior year because my parents just – I have ADHD and just wanted to rent a new house every other year and just fuck all their kids, you know. <laughs> they just want, they just wanted to make sure you were a comedian. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, be uncomfortable again. We know you just <laughs> made some friends again and navigated the cafeteria." But what was that like? What so? Because I really didn't experience that. I mean, I experienced things like, "Oh, I have to go to a new school now," like because I'm going to high school. But yeah. so, what, I always have wondered that. What was it like for? kids who had to kind of keep moving around and changing school. I mean, did that kind of inform why you maybe were funny? Yeah, I think so. I think you kind of find the things that you're good at a little quicker. and You just kind of, you know, go to go to that, go to being jokes or whispering to somebody who seems cool in the back of the classroom and making jokes that way. Like I was never kind of the extroverted class clown. I was always kind of a little more reserved probably because I was the new kid so often. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the hardest part of going to a new school is – is the cafeteria like walking into a full high school cafeteria and knowing zero people in the entire room is like terrifying. Cause like when you're, when you're in a class, that's like, you know, it's some sort of social setting. You'll get to know people. But for me, so I knew like three people in the whole school. I walk in, I, I see nobody. I recognize my first day. And I see the one kid who was on my baseball team. I go over to him. I sit at him. I was like, yes, I have a place to sit for the, for the rest of the semester. We locked it in and I go back the next day. I sit down and he's not there. And then I text him. Oh. I, was like, where? I was like, where are you? He goes, oh, I switched classes. I'm at a different lunch now. So now I'm just stuck with these kids I didn't know for the rest of the year, just trying to like get to know them and be myself. What, what is that like? So would you would you ever have to sit alone at a, in the cafeteria for any not, month? No, I would, I would rather be like the awkward kid that nobody knew at a table and just make weird jokes than sit by myself. Also, I mean, I went to like my high school graduating class was like 650 people. So there, there wasn't ever really an empty like table for you to sit at. You kind of had to just make a decision, you know? Wow. So if you think you weren't a comedian, you might've ended up being like a school shooter or something like that. Yeah. Was, something like that. That was got either way. Like, if my dad had a gun, you know, if my, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think, uh, I mean, if I was never going to be a comedian, if you wanted an honest answer to that, I, I probably would have ended up being a fucking, a substitute teacher and a baseball coach. That's probably where oh, I would yeah. have ended up being uh, just because I like, I was one of those people I was taking business classes and then I just 
I was just like, I was re- reading the stuff going like, wow, this is going to be crazy forever actually has to use this, you know, like I just had no plans to actually get into the business world at all. Uh, while I was just spending thousands of dollars to play mediocre baseball and then get hurt and then, <laughs> and then use this marketing degree I got to the best of my abilities in the world of comedy. So, yeah. So when did you start doing comedy? Uh, 2014, January 2014, I did my first open mic. So, so that, was, that was my senior year of college. Where were you? Where were you? I was in uh, I was in New Hampshire at the time. I went to Southern New Hampshire University. That's where I finished my degree. Um, and the what was that like o- that first time? The first open mic I did was actually in Cambridge, Mass. Uh, it was at this place called the Middle East. It was above a rock slash gay bar that they would do uh, comedy shows at every Tuesday. And uh, it was just one of those things. I had no idea how open mics worked. I'd never even been to a live comedy show before I just decided to do it. I I loved comedy. I'd always listened to it and watched it, but I'd never actually been to a live show. So one of my friends who I never thought would do comedy before was was doing comedy. This guy, Josh Bates, is a pretty successful writer. Um, But I saw I saw him. I was like, man, I got to I got to go check this out. So me and him went and like did that together. And uh I didn't know how it worked. I went up like 28th on the list and they were giving everybody five minutes. So I went on at like one 30 in the morning for like the host, one drunk guy. And then my, my poor friends and family that came out and just were berated through three and a half hours of um, open mic comedy. Uh, yeah. That's, that's not how you make lifelong comedy fans, by the way, is bringing your friends and family to open mic. So, so it, was an, it was an open <laughs> mic and a bringer at the same time. That must Pretty be, much. Well, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't know like, I didn't know what it was. So like my parents just wanted to go because I was yeah. always kind of the fun. I'm one of seven kids in my family. So I mean, uh, a lot of my, a lot of my brothers and stuff are funny. Um, but I was, that was always kind of like my thing was just to be the one that would try and cut the tension or just be silly and stuff like that. So when I finally decided to do it, they were like, okay, great. Finally, like, let's go check it out. You know, stay with us. We'll be right back. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. So are you, are you, are you, no, are you, are you Irish Catholic? I figure from that area. We're, we're Irish Catholic, but not like, like not religious. Like it's not that like my parents didn't believe in protection. They just didn't know that you can't, that like birth control doesn't work when you're on antibiotics and they just kept (laughs) pumping out mistake after mistake. And, uh, yeah, they told me I was playing, but that's probably what they told all of us, to be honest with you. They were like, (laughs) yeah, no, it was you. You were the one that we actually were. Yeah. When so you um so did you go to Boston to do comedy after that or yeah yeah I was I mean I kind of always looked at New England as an entire scene so I mean you know how it is when you first get started in comedy you get kind of addicted to it right you just look for any sort of stage time I was looking up every flyer every person I knew just adding friends on Facebook going to shows checking things out um so I would like there was a period where I met this comic from Rhode Island at a show I did up in New Hampshire. And then I would be going down to, I'd be driving an hour and a half to Rhode Island just to do an open mic down there. And then, so I kind of always tried to tackle new England as a whole and, and kind of build it up that way. And it worked out for me just to be able to kind of get in with all of these little sub scenes one at a time um, with Boston, obviously being kind of the core of that. 
And how what Boston were they welcoming, or what is what's it like starting out in Boston? Yeah, it's I mean, there's iconic comedy town. Yeah, I mean, the good thing about Boston is there's so many new comedians all the time, and then there's so many people that are leaving Boston all the time to you know move to LA or, or New York or something. So it does recycle itself pretty quick. Mm. But in the middle of that recycle is a bunch of is a bunch of just old white men that are just doing the same jokes they've been doing for a while. And and a lot of those guys are actually really good. And a lot of those guys, people think they do the same jokes all the time, but a lot of them are actually, you know, really good writers and they just don't put themselves out there. And they're just kind of doing the same four rooms over and over and over again, or doing cruise ships or whatever it is. So it was a matter of kind of like navigating a few different scenes within that. So you want to, you know, obviously be friends with your peers and, and kind of grow together with whatever the people you started doing open mics with, but then you start, like I started working the door for Dick Doherty, which is kind of oh, one yeah. of the uh, the OGs of the Boston comedy scene back <laughs> in the day, uh, if you will. Uh, he's now actually like sold all his stuff, isn't doing his clubs anymore. He bought an RV and is just traveling around the country with his wife. So he's living the dream, I guess, depending on what your dream is. Uh, and so I your dream uh, is a nightmare. Yeah, if, you, if your dream is traffic <laughs> and getting gas, it's probably it's probably a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, I mean, then, then you kind of slowly start meeting like, you know, the, the Lenny, I, like, I remember I opened for Steve Sweeney cause I won some, Oh, he's a legend. Yeah. He's a legend yeah. there. Yeah. I, I opened for him when I was maybe a year into stand up cause I won wow. some like random competition. So I ended up doing like, you know, 10 minutes in front of him when I probably had seven minutes and I go up to like do my set and he goes, uh, Hey, by the way, uh, no cursing. I was like, uh oh. <laughs> it's like all I got is seven, buddy. I'm about to be stretching. So I'm like trying to edit on the fly and stuff like that. So the little things like that, I think, make you a better comic. And then you also realize that you don't need to be like that. I mean, guys like that don't want you to swear in front of them because they want their fucks to, to hit mm -hmm. that much harder. You know, it's not that they are these like saints that are like, don't swear on my show. It's like, no, when I say fuck, I want it to be funny. If you use yeah. all the fuck, he said this right before you went funny. on. Yeah, I was like just about to go. He goes, hey, yeah, great to meet you. No cursing, okay? I was like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. I've had that where yeah. they just they throw that complete curveball at you. Yeah, or or crowd work before, or crowd work. They don't want yeah, you to do too much of that. Too. You're taking away bullets from them right there. Yeah, totally. Have you ever uh, seen that documentary? You've seen it, Tom, about the Boston comedy scene in the '80s. What was it called? Yeah. Uh, uh, fuck. What was it called? When um, um when, when stand up stood out. Yeah. yeah. When stand up stood out. Yeah. And there uh, a lot of great people came from Boston. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, that, that's a great documentary to kind of show um, kind of how Boston busted out of just being a local scene and kind of got onto that national level by kind of getting those first few guys on late night. And yeah, who were like some of, of the first was Stephen Wright, someone that started there? Yeah, Stephen Wright was like the, one of the first guys to get that Johnny Carson spot and kind of put Boston on the map to a point when it came to comedy. Um, can I ask you, this is a random thing. I don't know if you there was a guy. I don't know if this has like become like Boston comedy lore, but. There was a comedian I knew in L.A. like when I first kind of started around like 2001 when I was in L.A. And mm -hmm. um, he he was a Russian young guy and he moved to Boston and he uh, was there for a little bit. I think he got booked on Letterman. He kind of got all this buzz. And then some Boston comedian saw him doing like a road gig and he had, he was doing a bunch of comedian Boston comedians material. His oh, name was wow. Yeah, and never, apparently never they beat him up or something wow. at like a club. <laughs> I can I see Boston it. comics doing that. Yeah, I could believe that. I mean, I'll, I'll say now, like, I mean, Boston isn't anything what it was like in that documentary as far as like these ruthless kind of killers. I mean, those 
I mean, don't get me wrong. As far as like killers, there's people who murder on stage, but there's nobody like, you know, fist fighting each other for stage time or jokes like that. They're not physically Uh, killing people. Yeah, they're not physically killing people. Yeah. So, I mean. All, all I got that, from that, all I got from that documentary was everyone was doing coke, like everyone yeah. was just coke everywhere. Yeah, uh, I mean that's that's ninety percent of the stories you hear from those guys is like, uh, yeah, someone was doing coke, or like one story I heard was they somebody just like painted a white line with like white out on top of a TV in the green room of Nick's where they would all be doing coke, and then just <laughs> would just watch people go try and like blow this line that was just paint. <laughs> it's like it's just I like, like whenever I hear those stories about old showbiz, like from that time, it's like. That sounds like the fun time. I feel like when I started comedy, it was like all that just ended. It was like there was no more coke. It was no more fun. So, but yeah, I kind of wish I was around when everyone was just doing coke all the time. <laughs> you yeah. want to do comedy, you just want to do coke, right? Well, I mean, it just seems like more fun. Everyone's like, oh, we're all just doing coke and it was great and everyone's getting blown all the yeah. time. And then when yeah. I got into it, it was like, <laughs> oh, everyone's just like an asshole. And, yeah, everyone's um, mean or, oh, you drink? Like, uh, what are you? <laughs> yeah, everyone's sober. Right yeah, now, now everybody sure. wants to be optimized and stuff. Also, I mean, the the bad thing about, you know, nobody doing coke or hard drugs as much anymore is the turnover rate for comedians. I mean, people just stick around forever. Like <laughs> nobody, nobody dies off and lets other people get famous. You know, that's wow. completely true. That, that, <laughs> that is a great the, point. Like there if, Joe no Rogan was a, if Joe yeah. Rogan was a heroin addict, there'd be another fucking JRE popped up, you know, every few years. There'd be some sort of turnover. Right? Now, I mean, he might be the first dude to live forever if he plays his cards right. We're all well, cards, no, that's true because comedy <laughs> icons used to like die off and they, they yeah. have like three years. Now it's <laughs> like I was saying it's like comedy's like high school, except like high school has a very definitive ending. It's like, OK, you you go until now and it's over. Comedy yeah. is like high school, except it's like you can just be in high school for the rest of your life. Also, also there used to be you. back in the day more where people would get sitcoms and they would blow up. And then, so they were really, really wouldn't play <clears throat> comedy clubs anymore. Maybe they would play big rooms, but that's not sure. really, there's not as many Seinfelds anymore. There's really not where people like Michael Keaton, like you probably know he was a comic. Yeah. And he just, he's like, I'm, I'm a big movie star. I'm not doing this shit anymore. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, I think there's, there's nothing really that's powerful enough to kind of, put people on on that path anymore right i mean you used to just kind of need that five minutes or that sitcom i think now even if you get a sitcom you're still rolling the dice to get through mm. three seasons and then hopefully it makes enough of an impact that you have ticket sales after that but if you get a sitcom and it does one or two seasons i mean yeah so did nine others you know mm-hmm. uh shows that year so it's just like there's so much stuff now there's so many new niches that like I don't know if anybody gets Kevin Hart famous in comedy anymore. I I, I just don't know if that that yeah, happens. He, he may be the last guy. Like I feel like star. he's barely even Kevin Hart famous anymore. No, like, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. He I mean, is. I'll say he's maintained relevancy. That's kind of like the trick is he's maintained that high level relevancy where he's you know doing movies with The Rock every year. Yeah, um, yeah. That like I just don't know if anybody busts into that world because nobody gives a shit anymore. Like nobody cares about like nobody. So, oh, my God, that's that guy. It's like, oh, that's Chappelle. You know, there's nobody that's like that excited by that. Well, stuff well it's interesting that you brought the Chappelle up because I guess the one thing is the whole paradigm might be shifting because he was getting 20 million dollars per fucking stand up special, something like that. Yeah, right. It's crazy. Yeah. So maybe you don't even need to be a movie star anymore. That's what everyone was kind of saying when that happened. Totally. So we wanted to bring up, we were going to talk about it right before we went on, but the the new special, I watched a, a lot of it. I thought it was good. Um, yeah. I know he plays, he plays a club now that you're at a lot. So um, I'm sure you're a fan and he's yeah. great anyway, but. Yeah. I mean, I, li- I like Chappelle. I did watch the special. Um, 
I don't, I don't what the, I like the jokes. I thought the jokes were good. I think it's good to address everything that's coming at you over the last few years. And his kind of like his thesis statement of it almost is everything that's happened over the last Netflix specials. Let's just air it out and talk about it. Um, Mm -hmm. But with that being said, I mean, if this is going to be his last special for 10 years, maybe even ever, you know, you never know what happens with people these days. He spent he spent a third of it talking about transgender people and not himself. Like that's that's frustrating to me. Like if that was my quote last hour, last Netflix special for a long time, I would be talking about my entire life, not just the three people that were mad at me over the last decade. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't just talk about three people that I wouldn't be like, you know, yeah. there's this guy, Jeff. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> it was like women, transgenders. And here's something else. It was like, there wasn't enough Dave in there. Like, yeah. I don't know. What's it like to be a fucking billionaire? What you, what do you do? What are your kids? Like, I, I don't know. That's just kind of the stuff I like, I guess. Well, maybe uh, the other thing wrong, is- I, I like, I like the jokes that he did, but it was just, I don't know. It was too much of it and it wasn't polished enough to be a final special. I think. Well, well, you know my, what I would well, I was going to say, my Go feeling ahead. is, is that, you know, his contract's up with Netflix. Maybe this is just a negotiating ploy. True. You know, maybe he's yeah. just like, yeah, this is my last special unless you give me five more. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Exactly. And that's the other thing, too. I feel like now with comedy, because, yeah, the, those days of like where someone would do comedy, be great and become famous for something and then be like, OK, I'm not doing comedy anymore. I kind of miss that because now it's like. Oh, yeah, I'm really big at comedy. I'm going to do a comedy special every year now because there's so many outlets for it. And it's just kind of like no matter how great you are, it's just always going to kind of wear thin if you're just doing a comedy special every year. And I will say with this one, when you bring that up, he talked a lot about, you know, like the, the, the groups that hated him. It kind of annoys me. Like he kind of never really fully addressed what happened with the Africa Comedy Central thing. He kind of like mentions it at points early yeah. on, but yeah. that's the story. I feel like everyone always kind of wanted, and he just sort of brushed past. So it's like, totally. why is he not ever like that? Seems like comedy. Uh, yeah, so that's like yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say and go and to your point uh, of the other way, like, you know, nobody gets famous and stops doing comedy. It's almost the opposite now where people get famous doing other things and then they start doing stand up comedy like you Stormy become a Daniels. famous TikTok. I mean, you could have a fucking famous cooking channel on on YouTube and some some touring agents going to hit you up and see if you want to work the funny bones like uh, it's all about them selling tickets and making money. And I think it's a quick cash grab for a lot of these clubs, especially now when they're trying to make up some money from the pandemic and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But they're they're doing themselves a disservice long term to be booking people that aren't putting on a great show for the average comedy. You, you think right so? Now. Why? Because you think people will stop coming out to live comedy? I think if I was a person who just went to the my local comedy club to see comedy and just picked on a person's face and I go there and they're putting up, you know, people that are doing an hour with that have eight minutes mm-hmm. of material. Uh, I'm probably going to look for another option or I might just stop going out. I might start looking for other things. Like, don't get me wrong. The people that are there specifically to see that person are probably excited for the first, you know, 10 minutes that they're seeing them. But then all of a sudden you're just watching this person talk for 30. I mean, I've opened for these guys. It can be rough to watch. Like even their own crowd starts turning on them. It's like, um, I don't know. I think that like instead of comedians having to go outside of the comedy clubs to rent black box theaters and do Facebook ads to sell tickets, that's what these guys should be doing instead rather than. Uh kind of busting into this same world that that comedians are at it's that and also like when everything falls apart they start doing stand-up comedy that's the one that really annoys me when it's like right oh if they cancel then i can't i'm not allowed to work anymore all right i guess i'll do stand like jeremy piven became like a headlining yeah yeah and charlie sheen that's the biggest one i I think i realized yeah yeah, i remember when he when he, he got canceled from that show 
and he's gonna, he's like, I'm going to do an hour stand up. And they're like, what are you going to say? And he was like, oh, I'm just going to wing it. And when I heard him say it, I'm like, oh, he's in big trouble. Yeah. And by the third but the third show he did, he was bringing in comics to open for him because he couldn't fill that hour. That's the way to do it. If yeah, you're doing you can't it. start oh, yeah. comedy and do an hour. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. Bring up other comedians. Well, mm-hmm. if you happen to be a famous TikToker that can be on stage and be funny for ten minutes, yeah, invite fucking eight of your funniest friends. Have them all do ten minutes. You do ten. You host the whole thing. Everybody gets to see it the whole time. Everybody's happy, and then you look good. You sell tickets. The club's happy too. Yeah, that's a great way to yeah. do it. Actually, I yeah, would do just that like all a time. Yeah. Yeah, you're like when, a I would, when I would be headlining, uh, I would have a guy. I'd usually bring a friend of mine, and they'd be like, "How you, how long you want me to do?" And I'd be like, "Just do as long as you want. Like, yeah. the less <laughs> I can do, the better. Like, I'm not fucking a stage hot. Like, yeah, but I think the problem with that, and the reason they're probably not doing that, because I'm sure if you if you propose that to most of these people who aren't comfortable on stage for an hour to, to do less time, they'd be like, "Yeah, but the touring agents aren't going to let them do that because the touring agent is banking on." their person doing this amount of time and making this amount of money like the, oh. go there and split the money between all these comics and now it's not a full show is this club gonna pay you you know five grand to do 15 minutes essentially in host probably not but um i don't know but then you start trying to i mean if i was in their position i would just be doing door deals everywhere and just selling places out and making my money that way but yeah instead of um, instead they're all going through these same touring agents and i just don't see the purpose how do it. you think this is affecting like because comedy stand-up comedy is like more popular than ever it feels like but how do you think it's affecting stand-up comedy i mean to me it seems like the quality is just sort of diminishing and what is it anymore even yeah i mean it makes it it's kind of a double-edged sword right because it makes it easier to to stand out when you when you are doing something that's really good because you you know if if the kind of the bar of what's good is lower than what it used to be to even get booked on you know, any show or, or do stuff on the road. Like um, it's, it helps people who are actually good at stand-up comedy to a point, but it also just muddies the water. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> like, like bringer shows to a point, right? Like, yeah, they're a necessary evil for some places, but half of those people that are, that are sitting in the crowd, it's almost like my family that got stuck watching three and a half hours of open my comedy. That's not how you make stand-up comedy fans. You make stand-up comedy fans by having them listening to great stand-up comedy. Um, so I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see what the uh, what the future of standup is, man. I don't, sometimes it feels like I'm trying to start a rock and roll band and it's 1999. You know what I mean? Like, it's just <laughs> it just feels like the, I'm fucking sitting on flat water on a surfboard watching everybody in front of me ride a wave. You know, it's like, man, am I trying to become a violinist right now in an orchestra? And it's, nah. and it's 20, yeah, you know? it, there is it, something it, about I guess that's interesting too to talk to someone who's like just started within the last like six years. I mean, what because I remember when me and Eric started around the same time around like, I mean, it was like around 1999 and like there was no, I mean, the internet was around, but there was no like social media that you find out about doing open mics. You just kind of had to hear about it. And um, it wasn't a popular time for comedy. I feel like everyone kept being like, Oh yeah. Two years ago, they were handing out like deals to everyone. Now, like no one, it was, it it did kind of feel like what you're saying. It was kind of like, trying to do something that, like does anyone even give a shit about what this is anymore but right. um you seem to like so you went to just for laughs like pretty fast though right like yeah were you in like four or five years yeah it was a 20 2019 so yeah like four and a half five years something like that how did you so audition people, for that? i don't know how that is but i mean that's pretty like that's good like that like back 
then that was kind of like a that was good to get yeah. in that fast. Yeah, and I mean it was I was definitely on the younger side of of most of my class that year. I'm I, uh, to answer your question, Eric, I got my audition out of Boston, so that yeah. was one of the years where they would go around and do these you know regional auditions and shit like that. Um, and uh, for me, I, I I was planning to move to New York a couple of years before that because I won the Boston Comedy Festival in 2017. So I was like, man, oh, I think wow. this is enough momentum to like make the jump to New York and at least have a, a little bit of heat. Uh, but then if, I think if I did, I probably wouldn't have even been in a position to get a JFL audition two years later. So kind of riding it out in, in Boston for a bit um, helped me out with that. So I auditioned in like February at Laugh Boston, did my seven minutes, you know, met Jeff Singer, talked to him, you know, a few times throughout the year. And then finally found out I was going like a week before the festival. What was wow. that? What, what was your experience there like? Uh, I mean, it was it was great, man. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's kind of surreal. Like, so first of all, getting there, I, I decided to drive up because I was in New Hampshire at the time. Uh, so I was just driving up to Montreal, like four and a half hour drive, you know, clean up my car the day before I go to like, go get a coffee, say goodbye to my wife who worked at a bank at the time and leave. And my, my, uh, something just pops in my engine as I'm like, <laughs> I'm about to leave for Montreal. And I turn over the side of the road. I, I pull up the hood. Like I know anything about cars. I was like, and then I actually see the problem. I was like, I, one of my belts was just fucking broken. So I was like, <laughs> luckily there was a garage right next door. So I just pulled it in there started smelling and smoking and stuff. Um, get out of the car. They're like, we're, we're booked up today. We'll do our best. So I run across the street, take my wife's car, say, Hey, I'm going to Montreal with your car. Have fun. Here's my credit card. See you later. <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, so it was like stressful to even get up there. But then once you're there, it's like the first day you get there, you don't even perform. So you just do like the orientation, walk through the theater, you know, meet the other people that you're going to be performing with that kind of thing. Uh, and then you get to watch one of the other new faces because there's a bunch of I, I did new faces unrepped because I didn't have any management or right. agents at the time. So then they have two different groups of repped, or at least they did this year. Then they do characters, which is basically I, people doing like an SNL audition live, essentially. And yeah, then, I like uh, I like how they have sometimes people who are auditioning, but they're already famous. Like they already have big, like some people are like on Saturday Night Live or writing for Saturday Night Live and they're at just for last, like the new yeah. faces. I'm like. You you've been discovered already. Why are you yeah, why like, are you fucking on yeah, this show? Like, yeah, you did a Comedy Central next, half hour. Yeah, our next doing? new face yeah. is Will yeah. Ferrell. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. because yeah, I remember Wait a few a years back, Colin Yost. It was before he was on the show, but he was a writer because he was floating around New York. I would see him around a lot. Very nice guy, yeah. but he was at Just for Laughs, and he's like he's like head writer of Saturday Night Live. We just found this guy. I'm like you. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, he's been here. Yeah, right. <laughs> we just um, found this guy in Lauren Michaels' office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lauren recommended him to us as a new face. Yeah, fucking crazy. So, what'd you um, get out of that? Because JFL is a great thing to have, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely got the the first thing I got was obviously the connections with the other people that were in my class of comics. I mean, who, you, who you was in your who was in your class there? Who was there? Uh, uh, like Napoleon Emil, Sam oh, he's Talent, um, this guy Andrew Stanley. Um, this girl Chanel from Brooklyn. Um, What's her, just about there was there was just a bunch of people. Was it kind of a bummer because, well, I don't because the pandemic kind of happened pretty fast after that. Yeah, it definitely like I mean I had a big old tour lined up like April to through July of oh so you did it in twenty wait you did it in twenty nineteen twenty nineteen yeah oh so, fuck so wow. for me, it, eight months before the yeah so I spent a lot of that time just. Coming back and forth to New York, I did a couple trips out to L.A., had meetings with every 
every network I met there. Like, cause I had a great set there. I mean, I got like six applause breaks in my six minute set. It was, yeah, like, he's, he's a killer. He's I was, a killer, I was man. polished up for that too. Cause I was coming off the Seattle competition. So the Seattle competition is a month long thing where you're performing in theaters every night. So I knew how the jokes, the, the rhythm of, of performing in a room that size with those jokes. So, um, I mean, I, I ended up linking up with the guys that, you know, run the stand that, that was kind of for me, like bridging the gap between New York and, and New England, which is something I always wanted. Um, you know, had meetings with a bunch of agents and stuff like that. And most of those people I met with now lost their jobs or their companies went yeah. down to bare bones and they dropped all their clients and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. kind of a I bummer. Know. And then uh, slowly kind of every tour date was just falling. I was like, well, April's gone. So maybe, but we'll be good for May. You know, we'll be able to yeah. do all the stuff I was supposed to do like Boston calling, which is like this big music festival in, in Boston. Like I was, I was on the same bill as like, uh, uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, just uh, rage against the machine and like the red hot chili peppers and shit like that. So I was like, man, like all that's went away. And then oh slowly I got pieces of it back in like those high risk States over the summer. So I was just doing the road like that summer, like once a month and I'd be filling in with anything I could do in new England to try and stay polished. So what was that like? So it was, I mean, this might be the worst story thing that happened from COVID. I think this is might be the worst. <laughs> no, no. This is actually forget about I no think he yeah, missed not some... the overflowing hospitals. Not no, the, yeah. he could have performed with flea. You understand <laughs> yeah, that? Flea and the chili peppers. Well flea is now doing stand-up. So I'm yeah. sure he's actually taking my dates at the <laughs> um but no I mean you'll 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 I'm sure it's coming back for you anyway but it is a tough like you have that momentum there and it's like fuck it's just bad timing but yeah he drew so good it's you know yeah he'll, he'll, oh, you know, I'm sure he's already back there already so yeah it's just a matter of kind of keeping things going for me that was my mindset was like as long as I stayed busy everything would be all right at the end of it so I just started you know making my own animations editing my stand-up clips that I had and putting them on TikTok and Instagram reels and just trying to kind of kind of raise the awareness. Well, that's of sort of kind of what that's sort of where things kind of started heading. And then that's kind of what. Yeah, well, that's what I was also going to bring up. Cause, yeah, because yeah. he he is married and uh, his wife is a uh, kind of a viral star, TikTok yeah. or YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. yeah. yeah my, my wife got famous on Nintendo gaming stuff over the pandemic. So she, she's she a gamer. Did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cora Mora is her handle. But yeah, she plays uh, Animal Crossing was like her big game that she played. And and she she went from like 3000 subscribers at the beginning of the pandemic. She'd been doing it for a few years, just like streaming a few times a week. And now she has like almost 190,000, something like that. Wow. Wait, can I and she does. I'm, I like don't know anything about anything. Yeah. But yeah. like what so... happens is people like to watch other people play video games. That's right. Like, it's okay. a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So she made like there's this game Animal Crossing that came out that's been around since like, you know, early Nintendo days. And it's they've had like one per console that's come out, essentially. And it's this game where you you run a little town, you have your neighbors and you can decorate your house. Like it's just a very kind of and they had comedy shows there. Yeah. And people would like make there was actually yeah, there was a group of people that made a comedy club in their houses and then like invited people to their island online and they would all do like an open mic virtually in this like <laughs> video game. It was very strange. But uh, I remember that were, during the pandemic. I'm like, I want, I, I'm going to get booked in this video game. I, yeah. who, who books this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so but she knew about this game a lot. And it's one of those games that really blew up over the pandemic because it was like yeah. you get your own deserted island. It's an escape like, you know, go pick flowers and, and plant apple trees and stuff and have fun. Uh, so but a lot of people didn't know what it was because it's just this kind of obscure, weird game. So she she came out with like a for dummies video and then all these kind of instructional videos on how mechanics of the game work. And 
and her channel just started growing and growing and growing like crazy. So, and you've been uh, married. Have you, for- have you been able to like uh, capitalize on that at all? Like, <laughs> not like, as. Hey, uh, yeah. yeah, can you just jump in on the in the video games and go, "Hey, I'll be I mean, at uh, Wisecrackers this Sunday." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, come see me. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, her audience doesn't overlap too much with a live performance audience. You know, uh, they're mostly you know, either stay at home moms or, or kids that are like, you know, 12 to 17 years old, something like that. Um, it's on I mean, Twitch. Her, is it, is it Twitch? YouTube is where her bigger, uh, uh her bigger following is, but she does stream on Twitch as well. Cause during the past, we're still actually doing the show, but I don't run it anymore. We have this virtual show and it, they stream it on Twitch. It's a called comedy hub, whatever. Okay. And you know, the people who were on comedy hub weren't in the room in the zoom room, but they were watching the show, obviously. Right. So all they could do was kind of comment, you know, and yeah, like yeah. Judah Freelander. Yeah. yeah. Judah Freelander was on it all the time. He's still doing it. And uh, he, they, they would just send cra- emojis. Exactly. I didn't know what any of them fucking meant. And then they would send the weirdest fucking comments that they were all, they were cool, but they were weirdos. I think a lot. Yeah. Of them. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, that's most people that dwell in Twitch chats are just <laughs> the, the weirdest people, their entire <laughs> existence and every reference they have is memes and just like these weird niche references and stuff. It's, it's a totally different planet. It's, it's pretty do you wild. Remember, do you but have it's fucking any, huge though? Do you have any like recollection of like, you basically grew up with the internet, right? And all the social media. Uh, was there a time no. that wasn't around? No, I mean, I had a pretty normal childhood, especially out in Seattle. So I was born in 92. Um, so, I mean, okay. I still had that childhood of, like, go out on your bikes, be home when the street lights are on. But then, you know, you'd be able to go home and, like, you know, play Nintendo 64 and, and GameCube and stuff like that. So uh, social media, I think the first real, like, brush with social media I had was probably fucking AOL Instant Messenger. And that came out when I was in, like, you know, maybe, I mean, I, I probably came out before, but I started using it when I was in like sixth or seventh grade. Um, I was, do you remember, do you remember, do you remember when they saw that discs? Compact yeah. Discs? yeah. 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 Of course. Um, no, I mean, not, that's not how the, I, not the compact disc, the discs for the AOL. I don't know if you might be too. Young oh to yeah, yeah. 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 They'd, yeah. Come in, they'd come in fucking cereal boxes and shit half the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, my, I, we were pretty early with technologies. My dad worked for Microsoft. He's a software engineer. That's, oh, wow. um, so he works for a nonprofit in Boston now. So that's what actually why we lived in Seattle was he worked for Microsoft in those earlier days and, and we were all out there. Um, so we were always kind of had a nice computer in the house and were, you know, either playing games on them or, or you know, figuring other stuff out like so writing you, papers. Shit like your that. dad worked for Microsoft early on. So so was he helping Bill Gates put the 5G into the vaccines? Yeah, that's he- actually... Yeah, he was actually the I'm not supposed to disclose this information, but he actually did design the the microchips that go into vaccines, oh, vaccines, phones, yeah. um, everything. Sometimes, you know, Dasani water. Actually, a lot of people don't know that Dasani water full of microchips. People think it's salt. It's not. It's OK. Cool. It, this is a good exclusive. Yeah. yeah and did, exactly. he, did, he, did he ever watch Bill Gates like dine on babies or he would just like put them in sandwiches or. Yeah, he would actually uh, he went to a few of those parties um, and the, the pastor. <laughs> this clip is going to be on a but... QAnon site tomorrow. So I hope you guys are happy. <laughs> yeah. Everybody who's watching this, it, this is real. I'm not lying. This, this is, is real. Yeah, totally. real. I just want to make sure everyone knows this is totally real. Yeah. I have did pictures. You, did, you, did your dad know Gates at all? Or not at all? No, no I don't think yeah. he actually met him. He worked in more of like the uh, uh, .NET side of things. He like wrote a couple of books out there for them and stuff on like C++ and, and different like programming languages. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, can I ask, so so what? when did you get into stand-up comedy? Was it a thing where you would, because since I guess you were kind of young right before the social media age and all that stuff. So, yeah, what, you know, did you watch like, yeah, who are your guys? Who, you watched on TV who are your, who are your or you saw guys? like on 
Yeah, I mean, I was first introduced to stand-up when we moved from Washington back to New Hampshire. We drove. So we drove a van full of people. I had just four other siblings at the time. So it was five boys, my mom and my dad and a cat, all got in a van and just drove from Seattle to New Hampshire over like a course of, you know, five or six days. And my dad just had all these old, and they weren't even old, now they're old, Comedy Central Presents CDs. Um, so I was listening to guys like, uh, you know, Brian Regan was one of my favorites right away, Jim Gaffigan. Um, I liked Bill Burr, but I didn't really understand him, you know, like, um, yeah, I remember listening to Louie. There was one guy, I forget his names, his name, but he would do this joke like uh, on the inside, you know, you'd say like, you stupid fucking bitch on the inside, on the outside, honey, I'm so happy that we could do, you know, something like that. I forget his name, but he was like, um, yeah, I mean, those are, those were kind of like my go-tos early on. I mean, then I would, you well, know, those are pretty good ones to be into early yeah, on. Brian yeah. and Jim Gaffin and, and Louis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's good. At least, you, yeah. Like you, you, you started out with like the best ones probably. Yeah, and then, and then that's like what we were doing. I mean, and then obviously I, I got into Dan Cook as I got older, um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> well, you I mean, know, I really, I liked him. There's a lot of good Dane Cook out there. I mean, yeah, well, I like Taylor bits. Yeah. Well, when I was like, I, I, I lived in LA for like a couple of years. So it was around like 2002 when he was like, I was really a couple of years up. in and he yeah. was like blowing up in LA first, but he was kind of like getting a lot of attention. And I remember like we were all young comics and we, and we all really loved him. I thought he was really funny. And then like yeah. I moved back to New York and like, two years went by and like everyone like hated him. it was like yeah. a, i don't know if it was like an east coast comedian thing no nah, uh, it was the, it was the beginning of that thing where you get to that level and everyone wants to take you down you know it's, well, it's, I, yeah you know? that and especially boston comics because he started in boston um that they they boston comics were really resentful that they didn't figure out what he did first and they're like what the fuck like i'm funnier than this fucking kid and then they started accusing him of stealing jokes and mm-hmm. and it all just piles on and then especially back then i mean now people have at least a little bit some people have at least uh, somewhat of an idea how to find accurate information online but back then it was like it was like people knew the news and then started knowing the internet and they kept like everything on the news was just true. It was just hundred percent true. And then they kind of applied that same mindset to the internet. So it's like, Oh, Dan Cook's piece of shit who steals jokes. Boom. Fact. Got that. Yeah. Locked. And you remember the like, jokes you know? that they would accuse, even I think Louis accuse, or I don't know. It was one yeah, joke was he had about yeah. an itchy asshole. Itchy I'm like, asshole are you taking was, credit for this one? I mean, come on. And there was some verbiage that was similar, but it was definitely a different joke. And, and Louis actually addressed that in his show i saw that yeah Yeah, where he brought on dane and and like they basically aired it out as a part of the show you know um he's like i I never accused you of stealing the joke and dane was like well you never fucking said i didn't you know and it was just one of those like (laughs) well he says i think in the thing he says like you think i stole the joke and he's like i think you kind of did he's like i don't know that you consciously did that but i think you were at a point where you could cut you kind of were like untouchable and could do whatever you wanted so I think it was one of those things, which a lot of people, I guess, happens more often than not, is like you hear something, you forget where you heard it, and yeah, but I I see it. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I just see it all the time, like on on shows, and I watch a lot of comics, and I'm on shows, and after a while, a lot of the comics start playing the same shows. Certain things seep in, maybe subconsciously, into other people's act. They're not really stealing; it's just the way people talk and stuff like that, and. I don't necessarily think that's so bad. It's just you, it, you have to only to a point, you know, it's yeah, just little, yeah, you got to be things. conscious about yeah. that stuff. And that's why for me, I try not to watch too much stand up comedy for that reason. Like, yeah, if I'm at a show, I'll watch people for a few minutes and then be in the back just because 
I don't want that. I don't want, you know, three years later, I think of this thing and it happens to have been said by somebody, you know, three years ago, but it lines up with what I'm talking about now. And I don't even know that I heard it before. And I was, you know, whatever it is. Like, I, I just want to minimize that risk, you know, as much I as feel I like, can. I feel like, does that even exist the way it used to the whole, like, like cross referencing or checking where it's like, cause at this point now, you know, there, it's, there's been so much out there. And also with like, everyone is doing comedy and it's so ubiquitous. It's like, what can anyone say that's original? The only thing, which I guess was, this was a thing even back when I was kind of started, it's like what they'd always say. I don't know if you heard this, you probably did the whole, like it takes you years to find your voice in yeah, comedy. Yeah. And I never knew what that meant. It took me years. And then I was finally like, Oh, it's kind of that. What it, what it means to me now is that like, everything's kind of been done that it's kind of like your take on the thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. The unique thing. So, I mean, imagine if somebody come out and said, dude, you can't do a joke about Uber. I do a joke about Uber. Like that would be a ridiculous, like you can't do that. These, especially these days. Like, I mean, you used to be able to write jokes. Even when I first started, you could write jokes about TV commercials and everybody would know generally what you're talking mm. about. Now you can't even do that. You can't even like, talk like make jokes about shows that are on you know maybe like one like game of thrones is probably the last show that like everybody watched now maybe the squid games thing you could maybe do a quick little joke about but like i mean people used to make commercial parodies or make fun of the way that commercials were presented and that was like a quarter of their act you know i was thinking about that today that like but no one no one knows commercials anymore all commercials are now is me fast forwarding through commercials (laughs) yeah that or if you get commercials on like youtube you're getting different commercials than i get yeah it's like a great point it's it's a totally different thing so we're way more limited and and even just like kind of the social zeitgeist stuff that we can talk about (laughs) that's relevant to everybody that it would be impossible for you to like go, okay, they didn't say this. It's like, just say what you're going to say. And if you're, you're a unique enough person, it'll be a unique thought anyway. Right. I think it was exactly. a really great point you made also like with that. Cause this week, you know, that movie squid games came out and like, yeah. I saw some comics doing some jokes about it and I thought it was like going to be like an easy laugh. Like, Oh, everyone would get a quick laugh. I was, yeah. I'm, I was like, I'm going to do one. And then I started seeing all the comics, at least at the club I was at a lot. None of Squid Games reference. No one was laughing. I'm like, yeah, this is the most popular show on Netflix right now. And still 95% of the world has not seen it. Yeah, yeah. No, so literally, that's, that's, that's how it is. Yeah. You know, so you can't really have these shared ex- like experiences with things like that, you know? Totally. You, you have to be much more general, I think, when you reference things like that. Like you could talk about TikTok, but you can't talk about yeah. a specific TikTok that you saw or or something like that, you know, YouTubers, but not a specific person that you watch or, or yeah. know of or want to make fun of. You have to be like, so you guys know pants? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what? Everybody walks a little bit. You guys don't? Okay. No. All right. Yeah. No, yeah. that's stupid. That was ableist of me to ask. Sorry. Like, yeah. <laughs> so can I ask you? All right. So I, I don't know if you're aware. So I was reading. So John Mulaney, I guess, is like kind of like, you know, on tour again. And yeah. I wasn't even, I, I knew that there was some stuff that, he had been getting some blowback for like blowback. Good. Yeah. It's a nice, um, <laughs> like blowback. was he, um, <laughs> cause he just, he did a lot of cocaine. Okay. So. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Even, um, okay. yeah Tom yeah. knew him before he was, he was coming up and it, I always thought I, I, I real quick, I thought he used to make up that thing that he was a recovering alcoholic. I just, he didn't seem like he would be the type, but sure. Tom told me that, coming up right he you would see i definitely fucking, he was, i he was, he was drunk. i remember i had an, an incident where he was drunk and being really annoying he was kind of like pushing me outside of a club really? trying to be funny and i was like and i i knew him at the time I mean, he was fine he was like a night but like 
I had to be like, stop doing that. Like yeah, it was a yeah. weird kind of like, I, I didn't, you know, and he would talk about doing blow at the time, but I think by then when I knew him, he wasn't doing blow anymore. I think it was more like a college thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, he just seems like one of those guys that can hide it really well. I mean, and I kind of, I get that to a point. I mean, especially with, with how I look and being one of seven kids and getting married young, half the Boston comedy scene thought I was fucking Mormon because I wouldn't drink at shows because I would be driving 45 minutes into a show, mm. do a, do my show, hang out and then drive home. So I wasn't hanging around and drinking and doing all this stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I could, uh, now, once it was revealed, I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, he's a writer first, right? He probably, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, be a successful writer on SNL and and two jobs on top of that without doing a little bit of amphetamine is going to be pretty tough. <laughs> but this was like, again, this was when I was like, this was probably around he, when he started kind of having, because he showed up and then he was like all of a sudden like fucking on fire. Um, yeah. But you said he like, was I good feel, from the start. Well, right, I feel like saw. I saw him, you know, he, I used to do this open mic in the village and like, Nick Kroll had been around, you know, because he was, they went to school together, but he had graduated. And then one summer, Nick Kroll came to the open mic with John Mulaney. I think it was like he was off for the summer, John Mulaney. He's like, oh, yeah, this is my friend, and we're going to do this thing on stage together. And they did this thing, and it was just like not good. John Mulaney was like kind of looking down at the stage, and and I was like, who, who, you know, who, oh, I guess this guy's really young. And then I saw him like five months later, and he was like the greatest stand-up I'd ever seen. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's that's weird. And then, um, but, so he got sober around like 2007-ish, and okay. so then what started happening is it became cool to get sober, because people mm. get sober and then start being really successful. He's successful. You look at like Joe List, too, right? I mean, that's when he oh, kind of yeah. had a turning point for him. Yeah, yeah, so it's like Chelsea Peretti, I think, was another one Like, got sober. And like it was just sort of like, like oh, that's the thing now. You get your shit together and then yeah. you start having the success. Um, yeah. And then you look down at everyone else who's still kind of drinking and partying. Yeah, what a bummer. Uh, I, know. So, <laughs> I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. I miss, you know, I re- I'm reading a book right now about the 80s and how all how Saturday Night Live and all these guys kind of started to become movie stars, these right. comedians, and how they kind of changed the movie landscape. And it's just... Every story is like, and then they just did blow all night, and then they would yeah. show up, and they were on blow, and then they did, you know, Beverly Hills Cop two, and they're all on blow. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, wow, that sounds so much fun. Like, I know, right? All on drugs. Um, but and they I would, guess they, and they would give you like I read that Farley book, and he would try to get off drugs, but then his fans would just give him drugs. You know, I can't right, even get right. people after the show to give me their Instagram fucking handle. <laughs> yeah, right. And, well, and people are just handing get... him eight balls. <laughs> well, you know, like they'll talk about, yeah, they after shows, the girls would show up and they'd go to their hotel room. They do blow. I can't even get girls to tell me their names. Like, yeah. While right. I'm, on stage. <laughs> I'm like, what's that your was... name? They're like, no, forget it. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Like, oh, <laughs> that was so from funny. the 80s. That's hilarious that you got denied a name on stage. Like that's that's such a uh, like, and she did it in a way that it was like, um, how dare you? Yeah, like no, I'm not doing that. And um, well, it's it's this club. It's a it's a great club, but it gets a lot of NYU people, like young people, and and woke people. So sometimes you get into those crowds where you're like, the the audience will get offended. You don't even know why they're offended. You know, just anything you say. I mean, you don't really have that problem, Drew. You're not that type of comic. I I I mean, I do. That happened to me the other night. I was on the patio. I I I was at the patio uh, at a different club, 
and some lady just starts she wasn't listening the whole set she just had her head turned like this was talking to her friend and here's me i do a joke about the vaccine passports um where basically the joke is you know everybody you know you have to show your vaccine passport everywhere um you know some people don't like that at all they take it to the extreme they say it's just like nazi germany so she hears that Mm. and turns her head and locks on to me because she heard vaccines and nazi germany and immediately just started crossing nope nope can't do nope and i was just uh it was like just yeah. a big interaction fucking yelling and screaming like she's like why are you talking and i was like why are you talking like you know it's like, like i'm not paying attention i finally heard something to get mad at i was like yeah exactly i was like you know what you know what most people do when they find something not funny which by the way you didn't even listen long enough to find out if you would have been not funny they they shut the fuck up and they wait for something else and she goes you tell me to shut the fuck up right now i was like yeah shut the fuck up like yeah I was the first comic on the show. Like you're just setting the tone bad. So then I, I go, I go to another spot. I come back. Um, and that lady was still there. <laughs> I went back after, remember I saw you, I went back yeah. after, uh, and that lady was still at the bar. I'm talking to another comic. She just like inserts herself into the conversation. Her friends try and come get her. She goes, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And, uh, starts to explain her perspective. She's like, you know, uh, I'm a black woman and I'm half German. So people think that I can't be half German because I'm black. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm sorry if I made you feel invalidated, but I didn't say anything that would even yeah. come close. And she goes, don't put words in my mouth. I, I was like, okay. You can't win. Um, just as yeah, very like, it's not as fun as it was back in the eighties. Oh, dude, it was just one of those like, uh, like back and forth to the point where I was like, I, I explained to her the joke. She thought I was comparing anti-vaxxers to Nazis. Right. I'm like, no, I'm saying anti-vaxxers are saying this is like nazi germany and she just kept repeating the same stuff i was like you know what this conversation's going nowhere um i meet you and i we don't have to agree we don't have to get along i hope you have a great rest of your life and we'll see you later and i just uh, walked away and she was like but you need that and i was just like no i don't need to talk to anybody like you're yeah. lucky i even gave you the time of day i could have told you to go <laughs> fuck yourself right, right which away. is exactly what like Chappelle says in that special where like people come up to it so imagine if like yeah. imagine that but all day your entire uh, life now and thousands of people and online every time you go on fucking twitter it's, it's just filled with that not uh, yeah i mean i get it yeah, yeah, and then people are so. The one thing I will say about the Chappelle thing, I I watched it and then I rewatched it last night. I actually don't think it's that funny. Like oddly, yeah. like I thought it was pretty. It had some funny moments, but a lot of it. That was the only problem I had with it. I thought a mm. lot of it was not as funny as some of his other specials. It just um, felt unpolished. I think it he did. Had, it felt very unpolished. He had probably thirty five minutes of if he tightened that shit up from an hour, like thirty five minutes of super solid, like untouchable stuff but i also feel like he's been doing it so long he's the goat and like maybe he's just doesn't want to get to that point where he's doing the same bits for four years to or three I, years to polish him up to the point where he, they're like like he doesn't give a fuck like i also like, think mm. th there's something watching him now it's like and this is a positive thing it's like he's transcended being a stand-up comic i yeah. don't really look at him as just like a, a stand-up comic anymore he's more like a movement almost and you yeah. can yeah. see it with like the C logo, how you just, that's in totally. your mind now. Like, oh, C, that means Chappelle. It's just such like, a, yeah. which I think is great because it's kind of like taking stand-up to a different level. Again, almost, it's like Carlin. I was going to say, like, I, I think Carlin did the exact same thing where he became kind of this, uh, uh, this speaker that was funny sometimes that was really making super valid points about the injustices or or the system or whatever it was that he decided to talk about and actually, you know, making action to change it. So, yeah, I agree. I, I definitely see Chappelle in that way. And that's why I don't think it has to be 
you know, a punchline every, you know, nine seconds or whatever it is, but it definitely could have been tighter and it definitely could have yeah, been yeah, more, more focused, I think. But again, what, what the, what the fuck do I know about being that famous at that point in your career? You know? I know it feels like ridiculous for me to even like critique it. Yeah. But like we're allowed to have an opinion and you know, what would you do if you were there now? Kind of say, I think that's all valid. Like you can do all that. Yeah. But I will say that was, I'd already been feeling like that his last few specials. Cause I, cause especially the one he did that was about, like the eight minute one or nine minute one. And I was yeah. like, Oh, now he's just kind of like coming out. And when, when he feels really strongly about something, he's just like foregoing yeah. comedy. But and so this one felt a little like a combination of the eight, the nine minute one and his last ones. Um, right. Right. Which I actually was like, Oh, I think this is, and I do think it's really good what he's doing because everyone's so mad at him and trying to cancel him, but his attitude is just like, I don't give a shit. If you try to cancel me, I don't, yeah, I mean, I'm he, not going to apologize. It's, yeah. it's like, it, it, what are you going to take from him? Like maybe some of his fans, like the guy's established. He's, he's he doesn't he's, have a he, network that can, you can take his job. Like there's, yeah. it's fucking Chappelle. Like he, he canceled himself. He walked away from $50 million. Like <laughs> what are we talking about? You know? Yeah. Um, so it's, I, yeah, I think we're gonna have to wrap it up if that's, that's cool with everybody. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, Drew Dunn, thank, uh, thanks again for coming on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, just a quick thing. Do you want to plug? I know you're on a podcast that I, uh, uh, Drew is really great at doing voices and characters. And I didn't ask you to do it on this show, even yeah. though <laughs> Eric has told me, Eric's a huge fan of yours. He's yeah, told he, me like five times, oh, I'm great. like, yeah. you're a killer. So, so oh, like, I, and I, and I, I sometimes like, I'll, he'll be on one of my shows. I'm like, I'll give you extra time if you do this one bit, but I'm not yeah, going to make yeah. you do it. I don't want you to burn it. But he, what's well, the thing do you do the with voice? The... Oh, there. <laughs> I'll, I'll no, wait, do the it? voice for you. I can do a robot voice. LOL. Oh wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's supposed to be Microsoft Sand, but it can yeah. be a lot of different things. It can be a lot of different things, like Stephen Hawking. Which, if I did that impression physically, I'd probably get in trouble. But that's okay. Well, just wow, that's <laughs> weird. It's, almost, it's almost creepy. Yeah, yeah. 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 I used to see a lot of hack comics doing like pretend they were Stephen Hawking. Like they would not. The voice wasn't so bad, but they would do the yeah. whole thing. And uh, right, right. They would yeah. be sitting in the stool and turning and doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. for a while, I used to see that work. And then all of a sudden, after a while, it would not work. And yeah, I think it was when he died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. I do a, a podcast with uh, uh, Michael Harrison and Jake Rivera called uh, Character Debates. So uh, we bring on, uh, you know, another comic or another actor or something like that. And we just pick a random topic and then just debate it as characters. So it's fun because you don't have to tie any of your opinions to yourself. Like you can just like I was yelling at it as a Scottish guy pretending against a French lady on who's the best lovers. You know what I mean? Like that, that kind of just silliness, zaniness is, is kind of where we're how's at. How's your, so. how's your Scottish? Can we hear that? Oh, oh yeah. You can absolutely hear that. Yeah. i would be touring around uh, Edinburgh this summer. So come and see me there. <laughs> I, was just, I just i just watched train spotting like three days ago like, right. yeah. now you got to do some heroin and then you'll you'll have the yeah. impression really down <laughs> no problem yeah <laughs> all right man. Go thanks again yeah thanks again. yeah thanks uh drew Dunn. thanks for coming on and, yeah thanks um, for having me guys appreciate you and uh, you want to do uh, say something at the end about things about things uh yeah please rate and review this podcast uh we're uh, i forgot to mention at the beginning we're sponsored by silk city hot sauce it's uh my favorite hot sauce in the world it's silky and hot. Um, go to silkcityhotsauce.com. And um, if you use the promo code Brooklyn, you get 15% off. I, um, I'm really, whenever I listen to this podcast and I hear myself promoting that, I always feel like I'm being sarcastic. So it sounds like 
but yeah. I do really like it. Yeah. yeah, you're not the you're not the best pitch man in the I'm world. I'm not a but. great pitch man. <laughs> so like like I I listen to it. I'm like, oh, that sounds like I'm kind of like, is that real? But yeah. you also don't want to go over the top because it's then it's just as disingenuous, right? You don't like the <laughs> silkiest hot sauce I've ever had. It's, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> okay, I think I think we just found our new pitch man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> send me the send me the read. I'll do it for you. No problem. <laughs> do it like the robot. Please yeah. do it in the robot voice. <laughs> do the okay. do it. Use code Brooklyn for fifteen percent per 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 percent at at, at checkout. <laughs> See, that's already better. <laughs> that sounds more official. Um, that's awesome. Okay, so um, and and yeah, so like I said, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, La two B and uh, check out Drew Dunn. Uh, uh, Google him. <laughs> yeah, at yeah. Drew Dunn Comedy on all socials. <laughs> DrewDunnComedy.com for all my dates. And all right, uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks yeah, a lot. Thanks.